Salvete omnes qui ludere ametis. Hail to all who love to play games. And welcome to the Video Games and Human Values Initiative podcast. I'm Roger Travis, Director of the Initiative and Associate Professor of Classics at the University of Connecticut. This time around, something new. A conversation recorded during the latest VGHVI multiplayer night. We have these nights once a week, and usually we play an actual multiplayer game like Left 4 Dead or Burnout Paradise. And over the last couple months, we've been inviting guest hosts to come in and lead our conversations. And we've had a lot of fun playing games as diverse as Little Big Planet on the PS3 and Carcassonne in the Xbox Live Arcade. But we've also had an idea kicking around for a while that we might want to try simultaneous play of a single-player title. And so that's what we did this week, and I led the conversation, and we settled on Bioshock as the perfect game to kick off this new tradition for a number of reasons. One is that, of course, Bioshock 2 is looming, and there's much conversation about whether it's going to be a worthy sequel or whether Bioshock should have a sequel at all. And second, because it's currently the game under discussion at the Vintage Game Club, which is an initiative that has significant personnel overlap with the Video Games and Human Values initiative. So we played last night, which was Thursday the 14th of January. Seven of us played through the first hour and a half or so of Bioshock together, more or less synchronized with one another. And what you're going to hear are excerpts from what I thought was the quite wonderful conversation that came out of it. The voices you'll hear are those of David Carlton of the Malvasia Bianca blog, Eric Swain of The Game Critique, Dennis Farr of Vorpal Bunny Ranch and GayGamer.net, Jonathan Mills, Michael McBride, Michael Abbott of The Brainy Gamer, co-founder with me of VGHVI, and me. Well, I'm going to press start, too. So I'm curious, how much of us are, are other people already in the middle? I guess several of you must be in the middle of games. I'm, I'm going to be starting just from the beginning right now. I'm, I had to go buy a new copy. Uh-huh. So I'll be starting from the beginning. Cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, 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 this, is, this is how you can tell that the uh, v- VGC moderators do not plan this stuff out in advance. With I just <laughs> finished playing the game about three weeks ago, of course, so then we decided I, to... I was actually surprised Bioshock was chosen. Well, we were kind of tar- tossing around like certain things aren't working, and then Michael was like, you know, let's just do something different this time. Let's let's try Bioshock and Mass Effect like right before they were about to launch, and then we decided, well, Mass Effect was actually too close to launch to, to finish a playthrough of the first one, but everybody... I can't, even, I can't even get that one to work on my machine. Yeah. Really interesting that it starts with a cinematic 1960 Mid-Atlantic. I mean, it is setting you... I don't know. It, it, the yeah, the way you're, you're stuck into the character has something really fascinating about it that I've never quite thought through in relation to my other thoughts on it. And I don't want to be a smoker. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out the brightness. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I love the, the, the period vibe. Like, I think what really grabbed me when I first started playing this is when you, you, know, you get to the tower and you come in, the lights come on, and then there's the music. And both the choice of the music and the fact that it's like a scratchy, radio, uh, scratchy record recording 
you know, LP recording instead of a... Uh, That's what does it. It's, it's, it's oh, great. Yeah. Have you ever actually tried to, like, drown yourself just to see if it would let you? <laughs> I have. I got bored just swimming out there. Huh. You, you can just keep going. What's everyone playing on difficulty? I'm playing on normal. I'm playing on easy so that I don't get hung up anywhere. Yeah, I actually did my first playthrough on easy. I've, I'm, I'm doing that more and more often in these games. And this is the first game in a while that I almost regretted that. But um, I will say, when they say easy, they are not joking. So, I mean, yeah, I just true. used the wrench basically the whole time. Well, I, I was desperate. By, by the time I was about 15 hours in, I was desperate to finish the story. So I set myself up with a combination of um, plasmids. And I, I now forget what the other upgrade is so that any splicer who touched me instantly died <laughs> exactly yeah. oh, oh the oh the eternal shock thing yeah yeah, yeah. i like yeah, that's this what i, I, had I my have bit. water droplets on the screen as soon as you get yeah. control you have water yeah it's awesome well although i mean that's amazing because it's distancing because you don't get water droplets on your eyes right it's, yeah so it's a camera clearly. well no you get, you get sort of a blur vision that way i i well i wear glasses so this is normal oh, for me okay ah it does the character wear glasses you never see his face no uh, and under the sea is a great choice for the uh oh, first you're music inside you hear, yeah and i love this the way it just funnels you the fire and then the the plane falling down you have no choice but to see this tower and walk to it i've never ever looked up at the ceiling before <laughs> well, I was so concentrated pretty, on the statue that I never looked straight uh, up to see what sort of window pretty, it had. It's pretty tall up there. <laughs> All right, heading on down. In what country is there a place for people like me? Jesus. Com country I of people who are really full of themselves. <laughs> uh, hello, sparkly is lover. A? Is that an A on the ceiling? An R, I think. Is there an I'm curious A? curious to note what they have on the art plaque. The art one has film on it, which is rather amusing considering huh. the period of time we're in. Industry is kind of odd because it's two hands shaken. I see theater, film, a vault, hammer, chisel, and paintbrushes. Why, why is industry two hands shaking, though? I think it's because... Um you're supposed to see Ryan as having this dream that, that by everybody self-actualizing themselves, labor and, and capital will finally reach harmony. But of course, I mean, you know it's a crock. Or I think you're supposed to know it's a crock. And the slideshow. Yeah. So uh, so now I'm a little bit ahead, so we're, we're kind of going through the city, and I mean, it looks a lot more alive now than it does at any place. You know, when you're playing it, it's just constantly death and... You know, it, it completely, I mean, something like the city under the water would fall apart if everybody were literally killing each other all the time. Mm -hmm. but. Well, it does sort of do that in the beginning part when you actually, the entire place is collapsing. It's the kind of, it, the water pressure you would think would just destroy everything uh, in that situation. Oh, yeah, there's the city. Ugh. Rapture! Do we think I, that the art style is supposed to just convey more than anything else, the idea that the, that it was built in the 30s? I thought it was the 50s. I was actually reading some books on Art Deco today to kind of study up on this. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Art Deco, some of the stuff I read, they were talking about how it's like a combination of art and um, industry. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it was just everywhere from factories to civic buildings. 
So. Yeah. Our, so the date is that's a very interesting thing. Our, our, I was I I had assumed, although I didn't think it made much sense, that he had built Rapture in the the 30s because Art Deco is definitely a kind of 20s and 30s style. How long was Rapture yeah, alive? Yeah, you see the model in an upcoming room. It says the first buildings were made in like 31 or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, like how long did it take to build this city? So I could see that. You know, I never thought about this, but someone is actually still conducting transit between the bathospheres when you enter. Yeah. It, it's like he's still doing his job. Yeah, is, is he the last person in Rapture who's not a splicer? <laughs> yeah, because you're looking at him right now, he's not a splicer, he's getting killed by one. Yeah. I guess it's supposed to represent you, and this is what will happen, so you have no... as a, to propel you forward. Yeah, of course. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. 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 I like the uh, arrival board with all the uh, canceled. So actually, yeah. now I'm kind of wondering. So the yes, uh, thank you. I don't need hints. Uh, so the, uh, I mean, the, it seems to me like the bathosphere should behave more like a subway. So why is there arrival times that are far apart? I mean, this is all within one small city, not. I think it because this is the one that leads up and out. Ah. Uh, I never, I you know what? I never realized. I never kind of paused to look at all the luggage here. That's really interesting. You know, I just oh god, that disturbs me. Yeah, the theories that people have about this game are completely fascinating. To me. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's there's the it's not just What's fan crouch? fiction kind of stuff. It's uh, left stick not, down left, or because yeah. I'm trying to read this newspaper. I love this. That the headline is "Rapture in Ruin, Rapture Bloodshed Creates Pact." Isn't that always the last newspaper is about <laughs> the destruction of? The it all interests me. I mean, the, the conversation about this game—it's funny how I, it just has reawakened in me a certain um, curiosity about how people talk about games. Oh yeah. Like you know, I mean, it's always sort of an issue, but with this game. I just love how people talk about this game. This is, you know, people like really dig into this and it's not just like silly stuff. It's really useful speculative stuff and game design stuff and narrative stuff. And, you know, it's really cool. The doorway that you have to smash through with the wrench, it has a kind of proscenium effect, I, I, which I'd never noticed before. There's kind of the spotlight on it and you come up to it. Um, and it, I'm... It, Wondering a bit. Uh, the thing I'm, as you might have seen on the, oh, I'm sorry, flaming sofa. Ah, uh, <laughs> what happened? The flaming sofa came at me. Um, oh, and you hit them, and you hit the mute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, somebody. Yeah, all right, the there's a splicer too. All right. Um, that uh, I'm, I'm, th beginning to think of Bioshock as tragedy. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking at, and obviously there's tons of theatricality later in the game, but the, the way it stages itself from the very beginning and the way Atlas is kind of staging you mm -hmm. um, is fascinating. Well, there are tons of just purely literal theatrical messages in the game as well. I mean, the first time you see a little sister by herself does seem like it's in a theater, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now the part that everyone gets... Uh, oh, it's the plastic. Well, so, yeah, it's interesting, you know, just looking outside, and there's sort of debris coming down. Cutscene. 
You know, he's got right, tattoos. This is where everybody is, as, as we discussed on uh, Twitter, everybody's supposed to, to grab their syringes and inject themselves now. <laughs> I never found that a big deal. Yeah. All right, so if I press it, but I do have to press A. Yes. And it's obviously a syringe, so I guess I'm asking for it. Did anyone notice and the tattoos on scene. his wrist? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, well, the they, chains. Yeah, man chooses a slave. Prisoner. Is, what is he? Is yeah. he are his chains broken? Are those, later, are, those laters on, are those on his wrist later? I don't know. After he gets out of the... Oh, I think so. That would be interesting if it is. When I was doing the last podcast, I can't remember which one it was, but we were talking about how unsatisfying it is in some um, conversations about games that, you know, it's just you don't ever get beyond the surface. This sucks or it doesn't suck. And but this game, it's so it's not hard at all to find really uh, useful, interesting discussions about it. And the, the all kinds of ways that people come at it from. You know, I just what you guys were talking about earlier is kind of speculating about well, is this lights are the last one around, or you know, what who, when was this built, and what does this mean, and all that stuff that people hook into, and the fan fiction, and the and game design issues, and just storytelling, and all the hooks that the game has that people have grabbed onto to talk about. It's curious Everybody, how brutal that first scene with the little sister is, especially in re- wire reinforced glass too. Oh, Sander Cohen. You can actually walk into that room, huh? I've never tried that before. Yep. wonder if it's telling that the first place you enter is the theater district, as if that's the first thing Rapture wants you to see. Because like everywhere else, the first thing you'd see would be like a hospital. Like coming to America, you'd have to check yourself at a hospital. In other countries, you have to go through political channels. Here, it's the theater district. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's important. I mean, I, I think both Ryan and Fontaine, each in his own way, is uh, a man of the theater. Uh, Ryan, I mean, stages Rapture, and then he, he kind of tries to stage you later. And Fontaine is staging him the whole time. Well, that big, the big entrance, that's why I built Rapture. It's so theatrical yeah. when the thing disappears and you just come over the hill. I'm going through Eve a lot faster than I am health. Yeah. That's well, more fun. This I'm starting to think I should stop using Eve for a little while. Yelling at me that I have to run, 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 but I'm like, I have to loot all these corpses first. Yeah. I can't do this now. I know. I... Does anyone feel like or or know if the resource management in this game is, is to make it more like a survival horror? I would feel like I, I worry way too much about how much of everything. I remember worrying about it the first time, but after, I don't know, 25% of the game, I... And I'm dead. <laughs> well, I, I didn't worry about it because it, it fills you up with Max First Aid and Max Eve so refills so quickly that to me that's kind of a sign that I actually don't have to worry about resource management. Well, I guess that that's for... Uh... In fact, I'm so it's, it's more open. It's more open, so more people can get through it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm staring at a first aid in the bathroom, and I'm actually not taking it quite yet because. Okay. Um, to get plasma powers, or not plasma powers, but to recharge your plasma powers. Use atoms to get special abilities. I never know which of them to use. So in a given fight, do I, do I want to use my gun? Do I want to use plasma? And 
until I like get far enough in that I have enough resources. Yeah, I know what you mean, and I think that when you're at those vending machines and you're trying to figure out which of those early in the game, which of those things you need more, it's really it's in your first time through. It's really kind of you're just guessing. You don't really know which of those slots you should fill with what first because it's not clear to you which is going to be advantageous under what circumstances, you know? Yeah. Right. It's well, like that's the part of the point. It forces you to, to learn it. But the game is so careful about tr teaching you other things. So it's interesting how it prioritizes what you, it wants you to learn on your own and what it sort of wants to teach you, you know, efficiently. Yeah. But because, because ultimately it is a limited game because there aren't, you know, never-ending ways to get any from the stock stuff. I worry that you know, at some point I'll shoot too many bullets or I'll use less health and I'll just But I, I get the impression that the game isn't that hard. That's just I, part of it might be that psychologically I'm a hoarder. Not yeah. not like on the A and E show, like in video games I'm a hoarder. So I'll always stock up on everything. I was saying I think Chrono Trigger or I started Chrono Trigger for the last time as a and um and I was getting to the point where I had like, you know, ninety nine of everything. And that it wasn't until I hit ninety nine that I felt safe. Where's everyone so far? Uh, I've just gone into. I've just seen the. I'm I'm heading to medical pavilion. I just pulled the lever. Yeah, I'm headed towards there. I'm. I just got trapped and. All right. Oh, uh, I'm already in there. Yeah, I'm oh. heading to the medical pavilion now. Welcome. All right, so I've got a hundred and six dollars, but I don't think I want to buy any. Well. I had forty. Security bot. Oh, I should have hacked it. I can hack it. So I learned today something you guys probably already know that the voice of the clown is Ken Levine. I oh, really? I did not know that. I did not know that. I have my first friendly security bot. That's nice. Now, my first time through, I did not pick up on the fact how many of how many of these diaries are from Diane McClintock. I was just kind of listening to them. Yeah, as what was it? Impressionistic thing. Uh -huh. Yeah, but the first one, as I said earlier, was actually the end of her life. Yeah. It's the last, which I find absolutely an interesting way to do things. The first one that you hear from her is, is when she's at the bar waiting for him and that and yeah. hell breaks loose. Yeah, it's the end of her life. Yeah, New Year's, New Year's alone. or Yeah, Yeah, I love her. I mean, that that's a great, um, there's a, the voice actor for that. I think it's really effective. The way that they record those two, the, sort of the quality of the recording. I think it's curious that among the things that they mention you can change is your sex and your race. Really? Yep. Especially since I don't recall seeing any persons of color, but I'm sure there are some mentions of them. It's hard to tell with some of the splicers as well. It's so much more focused on class than anything else. Which, I mean, I guess that could be a commentary, too, that... Uh... Clever what girl. they're ignoring and pretending is emergency existential use. So, Roger, is there a, a moment of tragic recognition uh, in Bioshock? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I think we said we we would not mind the spoilers. Um, of, of, I mean, I, I would say that that it's both the anagnorisis and the the peripatia when you figure out what's actually going on and at that point you recognize i mean that that you're the oedipus that that the character you thought you were is not who you actually are so it's essentially um a personal recognition it's a personal moment as opposed to something that has sort of broader ramifications 
Well, but but I think it it also has huge philosophical implications because it it says everything about what's been going on in Rapture and what the real problem in Rapture was. Right. It's it, you, the, your your tragedy is just a recapitulation of the tragedy of Rapture. Yeah, the medical pavilion starts moving away from medical horror or from survival horror for a bit because it gets sworn by so many splicers. Has there been any major discussion about the fact that it's called Adam and Eve? I uh, haven't seen any. It seems like a very central part of the game. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't well, he's trying it. to create he's trying to create paradise, right? Or he th he thinks he can, and the the point is that it, you can't do that. Possibly there can't a turn back that... to Eden. Yeah. Don't we see a picture of a, a woman saying, "Take a bite of"? I just picked up one of Steinman's audio logs where he's talking about how he wishes he was, or he sees himself as the Picasso. I mean, I feel a lot of the character models follow that, that whole grotesque, artistic view of humans. I wonder if they, if that's why they put this first, so you, they could, ex so you could sort of understand where they're coming from, why everything looks the way it does. I'm wondering if Steinman got oh, his hands on too many people. Well, the presumption that I got was that almost everybody did it because why wouldn't they to be more beautiful? There's that scene with Steinman with the nurse and it's supposed to be a simple little nose job or something. And then he just keeps going and she becomes horrified. Like, what are you doing? And he, he can't stop himself from just, it's really disturbing. Yeah. The Tenenbaum too, with her German accent, um, it's hard not to make those sort of Mengele-like connections. This business of sort of experimenting and playing with people's lives for other purposes. It seems not accidental that she has a German accent. Oh, and it helps. I'm in a room filled with shoes. <laughs> you know, now that you're now you're talking about the implications of a German accent, it's like I've just entered a room filled with shoes. Oh yeah. yeah. And that and uh, and considering it's right next to the morgue. Yeah, that Ordorno fascism thing really might have something to it. I mean, it, this the um, it's uh, one one of the the most compelling and famous readings of Nazism is of the. Uh, linking of aesthetics and, and politics. Um, and Rapture, this is something I haven't seen anybody explore. Rapture has a lot of that about it. Dennis, did you say, I think you said something and I, and I missed it. I was just commenting that the uh, first audio log you get of uh, Tenenbaum is also where she's sort of mocking the person with whom she was at a concentration camp. Uh, and it helps set her as more severe. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, that's a stereotype about the German accent is that it lends itself to a more severe person. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of other people have said it, but um, it's just um, the way that the writing um, distinguishes itself from most video game writing. Particularly, uh, Who were the writers on this? Oh, look it up. Because it seems like, given that we always talk about that we have to know the creators, the fact that we don't know this. Well, I know Levine had a big hand in. I mean, he Levine penned the the, the basic story and the, the 
the story arc and the characters. But I don't know who actually wrote the dialogue or the audio diaries of the thing. Did this win the uh, WGA award, Writer Guild of America? I don't know if it was eligible because you have to be part of the guild to, in fact, win. Yeah. Which would actually explain this year's nominees. Yeah, I mean, looking at this year's nominees, I'm not sure how much of an honor that would be winning that award. I know, because I thought Dragon Age didn't get nominated. It's because Bioware's not part of the guild. Hey, those six people they're are Can- Yeah, they're Canadian. That's true. Aesthetics are a moral imperative. Written in blood. Yeah, that's the thing I was saying is a good definition of fascism. Which, what is? Aesthetics are a moral imperative. It's kind of a calc on... Theodore Adorno has a famous essay about fascism in which he he basically defines it as the unification of politics and aesthetics. Doesn't a rocket-launching turret eventually have to run out of rockets? (laughs) One would think... Unless it's an imperative not to. <laughs> I don't understand why the arrow is always absent when I need it the most. <laughs> well, it's not like you'd have one if you were stuck in this situation. Ah, uh, realism. It strikes me that you being not never seen yourself, the focus is purely on you being seen by everybody else. Because you're constantly on stage, you're a... Uh, being seen by cameras it's an interesting way of portraying that well yeah and, and just i mean the 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 bigger structure of the game with atlas always watching us he i mean who knows how he knows everything we're doing but he does and that's a really too especially with people who are telling you what to do you see everything that you're doing and then they tell you when you're doing the wrong thing and it's a very paternal figure too I mean, in most games, it's your commanding officer. I mean, I think that could... The Halo, the Halo franchise, however, puts that through a loop, because it's always a female who's telling you what to do. And an object of desire, in some ways, through those narratives. It's cool, though, the twist with him with Atlas is is that you're, you're on your way to help him save his family, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like he's some, you know, kind of like mission control person. I just threw a corpse at a uh, bot, which I've never done before. That was fun. <laughs> I still ha- I still haven't gotten the plasmid. Did it work well? Yeah, it, it destroyed damage? it. Well, I'm uneasy, oh. so. <laughs> that needs to go on your Vita. <laughs> <laughs> threw a corpse at a bot. Can throw corpses at others. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Dennis, did you... You said you were in the funeral home? Yes. Did you you see the code that you used to get through that door? Yeah. I you I didn't know. I guess it was maybe uh, Justin over on the VGC mentioned that that particular code is, has been used in it, each of their games. It's it, the exact same code as the very first code you use in System Shock. Huh. <laughs> so they sort of carry that that four-digit code, or I think it's four digits, with them, game to game. And I'll let Michael Abbott, the Brainy Gamer, have the last word there. Thanks for listening. Do let us know what you think about this format. We're certainly going to continue these simultaneous playthroughs with conversation, but the question of whether it makes good listening is a completely separate one. 
Until next time then, I'm Roger Travis, so long from the Video Games and Human Values Initiative.